Praise the Lord. Today, we're going to talk about living in the favor of God. That should interest everybody. Living in the favor of God. Let's turn to Psalm 5, verse 12. Psalm 5, verse 12. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass or encompass him as with a shield? The favor of God in your life is a right and privilege that belongs to every Christian. And today we're going to look at what it is, how to increase it, and what it will produce in your life. Let's say this together. There is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as luck. Amen. From this day forward, we want to get those words out of our thinking and out of our vocabulary. There's no such thing as good luck or bad luck. The reality is there are two spiritual laws that are operating together simultaneously on the earth at the same time. And every person on this planet is living under one of those laws. And they're, they're stated in Romans 8 verse 2 the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and the law of sin and death. And those are the two spiritual laws that are operating in the earth. Uh, Colossians 1.13 says that we, who have uh, made Jesus the Lord of our life, we have been delivered from the dominion of darkness, and we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So we are living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, um, there's a little qualification to that. Uh, as long as we're uh, speaking the word and doing the word and not talking the way the world talks and not doing the things the world does, we're living under the law of the spirit of life. Now, uh, someone might say, well, I know believers and they're not, you know, they're not living in victory or the blessings of God, they just go from one tragedy and disappointment to the other. Uh, how come the favor of God doesn't surround them? It does. They just don't know about it yet. And they don't know how to cooperate with it. Uh, this situation is generally summed up in Hosea 4.6 that says, My people perish or, or destroyed. Some translations say, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge about what? Well, primarily three things. Lack of knowledge about their authority as a believer. Lack of knowledge of God's spiritual laws and how they work. And thirdly, lack of knowledge of what it means to be made a new creation when you are born again. And uh, a lack of knowledge in this third area results in uh, low self-esteem, insecurity, and a sense of unworthiness. This causes people to live far below their rights and privileges as a believer. 
So the way to change this is by getting a revelation from the Word of God that you are somebody special to God. And I don't think that's a sermon that you probably hear preached very often. At least um, someone like me who grew up in church all my life. I've been in church since I was Abby's age back there. Uh, but, you know, I don't remember hearing too many sermons in church at all my life that I was somebody special to God, you know. Uh, you hear a lot about do's and don'ts and uh, this kind, you know, God's going to get you for this and that kind of a thing. But, uh, unfortunately, people don't hear uh, a whole lot of sermons that you are someone special to God. When you're born again, you are no longer a sinner. Uh, a sinner is someone who practices sin. They, they live. That's their lifestyle. That's not our lifestyle. Uh, when we do sin, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father and that if we confess our sins, He's faith, faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that's not our lifestyle. We don't have that spiritual death and that nature to sin in our reborn spirit anymore. It's not there. It's not there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, um, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, all things are passed away, and all things are become new. One translation says, A new species of being that never existed before. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, You have been made the righteousness of God. We're not righteous. We didn't make ourselves righteous. Jesus made us righteous. Uh, and, and so we can't, you know, we can't, we didn't earn it. Jesus made us righteous. The old man died, and all the forces and, and characteristics and attributes of God came within our new reborn spirit. They were imparted into us. So we have been placed in a position of right standing with God and God is not holding anything against you. Now uh, I'm just going to read uh, Romans 8 31 32. You can just write it down. I'm just setting a, a foundation here for why we can expect the favor of God in our lives. Romans 8, 31, 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And in verse uh, 17 of that chapter, it says uh, that we are joint heirs with Christ. So uh, in that regard, we have been made on, a, on an equal standing with Jesus. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And this is what religion does not teach. Uh, it, it majors a lot on sin consciousness and, and making people conscious of sin. Uh, it majors on all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it stops right there. That's not even the rest of the sentence, you know. But um, it is true 
that, uh, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that's why Jesus came to make us righteous. So he came to redeem us from Adam's transgression and to restore to us everything Adam lost before he sinned. And he came to redeem us from the curse of the law, uh, spiritual death, which is this sin nature that was lodged in us that we could do nothing about uh, of ourselves. He came to redeem us from sickness and disease and poverty. These are the three primary uh, uh, areas of the curse, uh, components of the curse of the law. The Bible says he also came to destroy or paralyze the works of the devil. Now, uh, I'm going back to Psalm verse 8. And we're going to look um, deeper here into uh, man and our position in creation. Just, just. Where does God place man in creation? In his, in his eyes, where, what, what standing do we have? Well, Psalm 8, uh, 3 says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him, a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Now, this word translated angels uh, here, uh, that is, the word angels is really a mistranslation uh, of the word, of the Hebrew word here. The Hebrew word <coughs> that has been translated angels is Elohim, which is... Um, uh, one of the names of God, and it's a plural name, so it, it's uh, the Trinity. It's a plural name for God. God, uh, the Creator. Uh, the Amplified Translation says that He has made man a little lower than God. Now that's the way it should have been translated, a little lower than God, because we're, we're created higher than angels. We're not created lower than angels. We're, we're on a higher uh, level than angels are below us. The Bible says we're going to judge angels. So we're, we're uh, above angels in the creation scheme of things. Uh, man did not evolve from a monkey or a tree. You are God's most prized possession, the highest of his creation, and that's the position you are in now. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says we are created in Christ Jesus. He talks about how we are God's elect, and we are hand-picked. Uh, you are now in a royal family with rights and privileges that go with it. Just like the queen and her family, uh, they have rights and privileges that Ever, you know, other people don't have just by the fact that they're royalty. And they didn't earn that position. They inherited that position. And it's the same with us. We have rights and privileges as believers that we did not earn. Jesus earned them for us, and we inherited uh, those rights and privileges. So 
we don't earn the favor of God. Jesus earned it for us. It's part of our inheritance. So don't ever say again that you are unworthy. Don't ever run yourself down. You are somebody special to God. Uh, in the in our society today, we see uh, an attempt by uh, different factions of society like uh, in these environmental groups. I mean, I'm all for conservation and I'm all for conserving the earth's resources and not abusing what God's given us, but some of these people uh, are attempting to uh, invert the order of God's creation. And you can see it uh, if you really examine what's going on uh, in the world with a lot of these issues. And uh, their, their, their uh, viewpoint of the world uh, is that, well, really they don't consider God. You know, God's not involved. But their view of the, of the world is that uh, instead of man being up here, we're at the highest of creation, which we know from the Bible is true, and then you have, you know, uh, an order of creation. He began in Genesis with inanimate objects, and then he moved on to living creatures, animals in the plant kingdom, and finally on day six, he saved the best for last, which was man. So man was up here, animals, and then inanimate objects. Well, the, the, these people come along today, and they revert it. And they say, we got to save the planet. You know what I mean? They're like worshiping uh, the environment, and the, uh, they're, they're putting the, the physical earth up here, and man is down here, and man is the problem. If we could just get rid of man, uh, we could fix, we could take care of the earth. So they have reverted this order and they put the earth up here and nature up here and living plants and animals up here. We gotta save the whales and the elephants, which I'm not against, but, but there is an order. And that's not the order that whales and elephants should be saved while man and Christians are being slaughtered around the world and nobody opens their mouth, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can see this godless shift uh, in society. So no matter how impossible the situation may look, because you are highly favored of God, somehow, some way, God will turn it around. He's on your side. You cannot be defeated. Let's say this together. There's no such thing as luck. I'm someone special to God. And His favor surrounds me like a shield. Now, there, uh, in the Old Testament, there are, we're not going to get bogged down in this, but I just want to mention that there are primarily three words in the Hebrew language that have been translated in the King James Version as favor. Uh, some passages translate uh, 
kindness. Instead of using the word favor, it's translated kindness, graciousness, and mercy. Uh, one, uh, one of these words is translated favor, kindness, uh, graciousness. Uh, favor, goodwill, acceptance. Uh, this word represents the position one enjoys before a superior who is favorably disposed toward him. In the New Testament, the Greek word charis uh, is uh, primarily translated as grace or favor, grace on the part of a giver, favor and kindness. So these are the, the um, Old Testament and New Testament words that have been translated as favor or grace or mercy and kindness. The Oxford Dictionary defines favor as liking, approval, kindly or helpful act beyond what is due. Something granted out of goodwill rather than for justice or payment. So it's a gift. It's not something that you earned. A gift bestowed as a token of regard, love or friendship, and preferential treatment. I like uh, Jerry Savelle's definition. He has uh, a few here. Uh, to endorse, to support, so you could receive or give support in terms of practical uh, uh, help or encouragement, to assist, to make easier. When the favor of God is on your life, it takes the struggle and the toil out. To make easier, to provide with advantages, to show special privileges, and to be featured. Now, in order to take advantage of something, you have to know that it belongs to you. So the first thing we have to do uh, to enjoy the favor of God is to know that it belongs to us and that it's part of our inheritance. Once we know that it belongs to us and is part of our inheritance, then we have to take it by faith. Just like everything else we receive from God, we have to receive it by faith. Once you see in the Word that the favor of God belongs to you and is available, we begin to confess it, we begin to speak it out over our lives. Um, expectation is one of the chief ingredients of faith. Yeah, that's one of the ways that you can recognize you're in faith is when you have an expectation uh, and an excitement uh, in your spirit. You're anticipating that this is about to happen. So, um, you know, we begin to say uh, what the Word says. The favor of God surrounds me like a shield. Everywhere I go, I'm favored of God. Um, Every morning, as soon as I turn off my alarm, that is the first thing that comes out of my mouth, Psalm 8, uh, or 5-8, what was it that we read? Uh, the favor of the Lord surrounds me, Psalm 5:12. the favor of the Lord surrounds me like a shield. Today I'm shielded and surrounded by your favor today. Uh, I can, you know, confess it over my family. It's just, 
it's just something that, uh, you know, I just got in my spirit. Uh, but, you know, you can get to a place where it just kind of becomes a habit. And if so I don't want it to just become a habit. I, I want there to be faith behind it. But, um, uh, you know, that's part of getting it down in your heart and begin to declare it is part of opening the door uh, to the favor of God in your life. It may not be easy to do if you're surrounded by negative circumstances right now. It takes an act of your will to declare that you are favored of God when the natural facts are telling you it's hopeless and it's over. Now, uh, I want us to look at a few examples of um, favor in um, Genesis 12 2 I'm just going to read that briefly where God makes this covenant with Abraham and he says I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing so by establishing this covenant with Abraham, it gave God an avenue whereby he could bring blessings and favor into his life. Now, you might say, well, that was Abraham. What does that have to do with me? Well, Genesis 17, 7 says, God said, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations. Well, this is our generation. We're, we're the generation of the descendants of spiritual descendants of Abraham on the earth right now. Galatians 3.29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's say this together. I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. And I'm an heir to what God promised Abraham. And this is my generation. Uh, Genesis 24, 1 says, And Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Uh, the favor of God will change medical reports. Uh, didn't the doctors tell Abraham and Sarah that they could never have kids? Yeah. Did they have kids? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, the blessing and favor of God can change medical reports. Hallelujah. Genesis 18, 14. Uh, God, uh, God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? So the favor of God will change what men say is impossible. Uh, let's go on down to um, Jacob. We won't, we, there, there are so many cases of favor in the Bible. There's no way we can cover all of them. I'm just hitting some of the high points. But you know about Jacob? Uh, he had a boss that was a liar and a cheat. And uh, he, you know, in the natural, people would say, well, you know, there's no way God can prosper me. I got this boss that's a liar and a cheat. But when you re read the story of Jacob, you should be encouraged. Jacob worked 20 years for his father-in-law Laban, and during that time, he changed J Jacob's wages 10 times. 
But that could not stop the favor and the blessing of God in his life. In Genesis 30, 43, it says, Thus the man, Jacob, increased and became exceedingly rich and had many sheep and goats and maidservants, men servants, camels and donkeys. And Genesis 32, 10, in the Living Bible, Jacob said, When I left home, I owned nothing except a walking stick. And now my household fills two camps. In Genesis 33:11, Jacob said, For God has dealt graciously or favorably with me, and I have everything. Now, I want to move on to Joseph. God's favor will cause you to rise to the top in the midst of adversity. Joseph prospered and was promoted because he was favored. He was also faithful. He had a lot of godly characteristics that caused him to prosper even in the midst of adversity. But in Genesis 39, uh, you know how his brothers, uh, instead of killing him, they decided to throw him in this pit, and these businessmen came along. Uh, these businessmen came along, and uh, they bought Joseph, and they took him to the slave market, so he was, he was a slave. Uh, Genesis 39, uh, 2, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house, of his master the Egyptian and the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand and Joseph found grace which also means favor in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer supervisor over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. This man, Potiphar, that uh, bought Joseph as a slave, he saw that Joseph was highly favored of God. He saw the favor of God was on his life, and he put him in charge of his entire estate. Then, as you know, Joseph was falsely accused uh, of seducing making advances toward Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown in prison, which he should never have been. But in verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. So no matter what kind of adverse situation Joseph found himself in that was not of his own doing, uh, God prospered and promoted him. He was supposed to be a slave, and his master put him in charge of his entire estate. He was supposed to be a prisoner in the prison, and they made him the warden. So it didn't make any difference where Joseph was. He rose to the top. Now in Genesis uh, 41, we, we carry on with the story of Joseph. 
And in verse 40, we find where he interprets um, Pharaoh's dream. And in Gen uh, Genesis 41, 40, uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house. Everybody say supervisor. supervisor. And according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne while I be greater than thou. So now Joseph is second in command of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land. He's not only supervisor of his household, now he's supervisor of the entire land. And Pharaoh took off his ring and um, from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck, and he was made to ride in the second limousine. Amen? Hallelujah. So, because the favor of God surrounded him, God turned every adversity into a victory. He went from slave to second in command of all of Egypt. This is why we need to declare the favor of God. When the devil tries to take you to the lowest pit, you will rise to the top because of the favor of God. Uh, let's turn to Exodus, or you can at least write these down. Exodus 2, 24. Um, okay, I was just going to check something here. Exodus 2:24. Probably touch on that again in a minute, but... Um, I think I'll come back to that. We'll come back to the Israelites. Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. You are the seed of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Join heirs with Jesus. Expect to walk in his favor. Luke 2.52 says, Jesus had favor. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So if Jesus had favor, we can have favor. We can have his favor. Amen? And we can do what he did. <clears throat> now, so don't worry about how bad things look. Uh, Take the Apostle Paul. We know in 2 Corinthians 11, he talked about stonings, beatings, jail, shipwrecks. Uh, Paul said that all these things came to him because of a demonic messenger that Satan had sent to try to stop him from preaching the gospel around the world. And he called this messenger a thorn in the flesh. Uh, three times... Paul asked God to take this messenger away. And God didn't say, no, I won't. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. 
In other words, my favor is enough to handle it. Paul had the authority over this messenger, and I think he just, you know, he just didn't realize that um, God had to remind him that he had favor over this, uh, he had authority over this messenger, so it wasn't a, a, a matter of asking God to remove it. He had authority because we see him exercise this authority in other parts of the New Testament. So no matter how uh, bad things look, don't worry about how weak you are. Just stand fast on God's word and his favor will deliver you and set things right. Let's say this again. There's no such thing as luck. I'm someone special to God. His favor surrounds me like a shield. Now, um, the favor of God, you know, there are things we can do to cause the favor of God to uh, manifest itself in our lives and to be increased. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, there are things we can do that can prevent the favor of God from being manifested in our life, even though it belongs to us and it's God's will for us. So let's look at uh, a few uh, of the steps involved in increasing God's favor in your life. Uh, Psalm 119, 58 and 59. One of the things uh, we have to do in order to walk in God's favor and blessing is to consider our ways. Consider our ways. Psalm 119, 58 says... I entreated, uh, yeah, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I fought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. So if we're going to ask for more favor, then uh, our lifestyle has to be pleasing to God. Now, here it says, I fought or I considered on my ways. The word ways means a course of action, methods and manners, conduct and behavior. Your course of action, your methods and manners, your conduct and your behavior have everything to do with whether or not you increase in the favor of God. So, we need to take an inventory of our ways. Uh, maybe if, you know, we might not have been walking in the favor that we could have just because we didn't know it belonged to us. But once we know it belongs to us, uh, you know, we want to walk in a greater level of God's favor. So we have to, uh, you know, consider our manners and our methods and our conduct and so forth. Uh, I heard one preacher talking about um, how he and his wife were flying once to another city. He, you know, he was supposed to preach there that evening. And they got hung, hung up in the airport. Uh, you know, their flight was canceled and, and uh, people just began to descend 
on uh, the ticket counter, and, you know, the airline counter. And they began to really come down on this uh, airline uh, uh, staff employee because he was getting all the stick because their flight had been canceled. He's got all these angry people up there. And, uh, you know, they're really giving him an earful. And so this preacher and his wife, they're just kind of standing at the side, and they're observing all this, you know, uh, bedlam. And all these people, you know, pounding on the desk and yelling at these airline people and, you know, what are you going to do about this and all this stuff. And they're just kind of standing by watching. So when all this turmoil kind of died down, uh, he went up to the desk, and he said, you know, I can see you're having a hard time here and <laughs> things are, you know, kind of rough. Uh, you're doing the best you can, but, you know, he says, is, is there anything you could do for us? And the, the guy said, well, where, where do you need to go? So he told him where he needed to go. So he got on the computer and he starts, you know, looking. And he, he goes on the computer some more and he, he says, Oh, okay. And so he keeps going on the computer. And finally, after a few minutes of that, he stops and he says, where are your bags? And he said, right over there. He said, get your bags and follow me. So he said he got the bags and he followed the airline guy. And he took them, he took them through this door, no, no authorized personnel, you know, all these uh, forbidden doors in the airport. Uh, no, no unauthorized personnel allowed. And they went through this door and they start going through all these back corridors and hallways through the airport where nobody's allowed to go, you know, except airline employees. And they walked and finally they came out onto this airplane. And he handed him these tickets and he said, uh, you know, here are your tickets. This will get you where you need to go on time, you know. So they, here they are, they're sitting down on the airplane and they're resting and they're relaxing. Here are all this group of people back up there in the airport terminal, fuming and fussing and fighting and you know. And so they, they're on this airplane that's gonna take them where they need to go and they're gonna get there on time. So they're, they're thanking this airline guy. Thank you so much for helping us. You've been so kind, and we just appreciate it so much. And this is what the airline guy said. He said, those people back there don't know it, but I could have helped them too. And so, and he turned around and he walked off. So that was the favor of God, but it was because they walked in love, and they considered their conduct and their behavior, and, uh, you know, they maintained a good attitude and they walked in love with these people and they didn't get in the natural and start acting like heathens, like, you know, all the rest of those people were. So because they walked in love with these people, they had favor and they were taken to their seat on the airplane and those other people were sitting up there in the terminal and he didn't lift a finger to help the rest of them. He says, I could have helped those people uh, they don't know it. So, so it pays to walk in love. Amen? Because God will, God will come through for you. Number two, continually seek God. Continually seek God. Proverbs 8, 
uh, yeah, Proverbs 8, 33, and 35. Proverbs 8, 33, 35. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Who, for whosoever findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So spending time in the word, praying in the spirit, so you can get uh, to know God more inti intimately, listening for his instructions. Uh, the more time you spend in the word and prayer, the more of God's favor you will experience. Uh, number three, be obedient. Obviously, the more obedient we are to God, the more capable uh, we are of increasing in his favor. Number four, hunger for the truth. Proverbs 3, verse 1 to 4 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tablet of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So you obviously have a hunger for truth or you wouldn't be here today. When God sees how much you love truth, then favor will increase in your life. Number five, strive for excellence. Proverbs 11, 27. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. He that diligently procureth that he that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. So develop a lifestyle of seeking out, seeking out that which is good and pleasing to God. Don't always look for shortcuts in life. Look for things that put a demand on your life to become the best you can be. Look for ways to be a blessing to others. The more favorable toward others uh, you are, then the more favor will come to you. Uh, don't ever lose your zeal for the word. Proverbs 13. I found, uh, I think about 16 references to favor just in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 13 says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is the fountain of death to depart from the snares of death. So, whoso despiseth the word. You hear people say, uh, I'm tired of having to be in the word all the time. Uh, you know, or are you going to the meeting today? They'll say, oh no, I already know all about that. I've, I've heard, already heard that. I know everything they're going to say. And you can tell the word has become irksome to them. You know, they're, they're tired of it. Which usually means they're not doing it. <laughs> you know, they're not doing it. They may, be, uh, they may hear it, but they're not doing it. 
So, um, uh, never lose your hunger for revelation knowledge. Always des desire understanding because good understanding giveth favor. And the more you understand God's ways, the more you're going to walk in His favor. Now, before we finish, I want to just close with a few uh, examples in the Bible of people who uh, walked in favor. And these uh, demonstrate the benefits the favor of God will bring into your life. We've already looked at Joseph. Supernatural increase and promotion came into his life because of favor. Um, a second benefit of the favor of God is restoration of everything the enemy has stolen from you. Restoration of everything the enemy has stolen from you. Exodus 3.21 And I will give this people favor this is the Israelites as they're leaving uh, Egypt. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty or empty-handed. So one act of favor from God was worth a lifetime of labor. In one day... God restored everything to them that 400 years of slavery had taken away from them. It was restored to them in one day through one act of favor. Exodus 11, 3. Exodus 11, 3. Favor produces honor and prominence in the midst of your adversaries. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So God gave the people favor with the Egyptians, and he also caused uh, Moses to receive prominence in the eyes of uh, of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The favor of God brought prominence into his life. Um, Deuteronomy 33.23 Deuteronomy 33.23 Favor produces increased assets, especially in the area of real estate. Deuteronomy 33:23 in the Amplified this is where Moses blesses the tribes of Israel and he says to the tribe of Naphtali O Naphtali satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord possess the sea of Galilee and its warm sunny climate like the south see he gave them the whole region of the Sea of Galilee with its warm and sunny climate. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. Number five, favor produces great victories in the midst of great impossibilities. Joshua 11, 19 to 20. <clears throat> this is, you know, when uh, all these enemies were coming against Israel, uh, 
It says, There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites and the inhabitants of Gibeon. All other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they, Israel's enemies, might have no favor. Israel's enemies had no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. So because Israel had favor, their enemies had no favor, uh, they were able to uh, obtain great victories in the midst of impossibilities. Number six, favor produces recognition even when you seem the least likely to receive it. Favor produces recognition even when you seem the least likely to receive it. 1 Samuel 16, David the shepherd boy had favor with King Saul. David the shepherd boy had favor with King Saul. Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. So Joseph went from shepherd boy to right in the the armor bearer of the king, all in one day. Favor produces prominence and preferential treatment. The book of Esther. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, we won't, we're not going to go into great detail, but just a general overview. The, this wicked assistant to the king named Haman tricked the king into making a law of the land that all the Jews would be killed and massacred. Now, when the king agreed to that, he didn't know he was t it was the Jews involved. But that's who it was. And this assistant was, was tricking him into issuing this decree, and then he was just going to do it behind the scenes, and kind of the king would never know about it. So uh, Esther's uncle... Mordecai got knowledge of this information and he came to Esther and said, uh, look, this is what they're planning to, to wipe out our whole race of people, the entire Jewish nation, and don't think that you're going to be spared. Don't think that you'll escape. He says, you've got to go to the king on our behalf to save us. Well, you couldn't just go uh, get an audience with the king. You had to be invited. So Esther fasted for three days, and she says, Okay, I'll go. If I perish, I perish. Now that wasn't a too optimistic outlook, was it, you know? Uh, but she said, I'll go. Um, she wasn't too optimistic, but she did have the favor of God in her life. And in Esther chapter 2 it says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight. Uh, also in this story, uh, God caused petitions to be granted to Esther and Israel, even by ungodly civil authorities. So you can expect 
uh, laws to be changed. You can expect uh, uh, petitions to be granted to you, even by ungodly people, if you're believing and confessing the favor of God upon your life. Uh, Esther uh, went, she got this audience with the king. It says she obtained favor in his sight. The king held out the golden scepter to her, and he said, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? It shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. So he said, Whatever you request, including half the kingdom, I will give it to you. So she said, uh, I would like you and this your wicked assistants to come to a banquet I'm giving. And because of the favor of God on her life, the king agreed to come. So at this banquet, he asked her again, uh, what is your request? I will give you whatever you request. What's your petition? Even up to half the kingdom. And she said, send out a decree to reverse this law that is going uh, to destroy the Jews. And this is the first he knew that the Jews were involved. So anyway, he saw his wicked assistant had deceived him and tricked him. So in one day, Esther received uh, prominence. She received an audience with the king, and she received her petition granted, and he reversed the law that was going to require all the Jews to be killed because of the favor of God with Esther. Uh, favor produces battles won, which you won't even have to fight because God will fight them for you. Psalm 44.3 says, For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. God gave Israel victories. They didn't even have to fight because of his favor. Finally, favor in your job and business. Psalm 90, 17, and the NIV says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is a, one of two scriptures I confess over me every day before I start to work. Because I want the Lord to establish the work of my hands. Because I work with my hands, mostly. <laughs> and I'm saying, Lord, I read this scripture out over me. Lord, let your favor rest upon me and establish the work of my hands. Amen? So you can have favor in your job and business. I've heard uh, one preacher say he's had testimonies, or uh, he's heard a couple of testimonies from people whose kids were failing in school. And uh, they got a hold of this and they began to start confessing the favor of God over their family and their kids. And those grades went up to A's and B's from failing. Amen? So, and that's the only thing they did different. They began to confess the favor of God over their kids who were failing at school, and those grades came up to A's and B's. Amen? Mm -hmm. Praise God. 
So the next time you're falsely accused or mistreated, just keep declaring you walk in divine favor. The favor of God surrounds you like a shield. Begin to expect favor to show up in everything you do, everywhere you go. When you go into Guilford or somewhere else, you start declaring before you get there that you're going to have favor with a parking place. That you don't have to drive around town for 10 minutes looking for a parking place. Say, Father, we're asking you for favor for a parking place right up front. Amen? Begin to expect it. I went to one of Brother Copeland's Believers Conventions once. I don't remember why. I was kind of late coming in because I was always early. But for some reason I was late. And when I walked in, like this usher was there, I never said a word. He took me, he led me around to the front row. An empty seat on the front row. I never said a thing. I never asked, he never asked me where I wanted to sit. He took me to the front row. That was the favor of God. It was part of being hungry for the word because that's why I was there. I was hungry for the word. Amen. And God gave me favor. So, as we have seen, God has been extending favor to his people for a long time. It has always been available, but we should be expecting it like never before. Amen. Isaiah 61-3, Isaiah prophesied about the church. He talks about the glory of God coming upon the church, and it will actually be seen on us. So when the world is in its darkest hour, the church will be at its brightest. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.